Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. We're in a sermon series titled God Given. And the intent of this series is to compel us towards the thing that God desires for our life. You know, God desires good things for you. He does. And so really we're going to focus over the next remaining seven weeks on these God-given truths. And the preface of our series is to remember, and I shared this last week and I share it with you once again today. The preface of this series is that God is good and the devil is, is evil. It's not that difficult. God is good, the devil is evil. Jesus stated in John 10, 10, that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, these are Jesus' words, but I have come that you may have life abundantly, abundantly. Jesus desires that we live an abundant life. And the question is this, are we living an abundant life or are we allowed, have we allowed the enemy to rob us of the abundance that God desires for our life? And I'm not talking about worldly abundance, I'm talking about godly abundance in our life. Are we living an abundant life of grace and love and peace and joy? Or have we allowed the enemy to take some of those things away from us and he wants to restore those to you? God wants to restore what he originally designed for you, created for you to be he wants to restore those in your life Jesus desires that we live an abundant life a practical example for you today is is the example of fear are you living in fear if we are that is not of God because God's word says in second Timothy 1 7 says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so that's kind of the idea that we're talking about on what we're talking about God-given. God has not given us fear. God has given us faith. He's given us each and every one of us a measure of faith. So let's take those things that God has given and let's, let's elevate those things in our life. And let's say, no, devil, you can no longer take any of these things away from me because you have no power over me. Amen? Do you know that? Jesus, God, the devil has no power over you if you are a follower of Christ. Today, the topic that I want to talk about is a topic that many times people don't want to talk about. It's the topic of holiness. Holiness. It's God-given. Do you know that God desires for us to be holy? Paul writes in Ephesians 1.4, He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Before God created the world, he had already chosen you to be holy. He already chosen you to be holy in Jesus. He desires holiness. Peter writes these words in 1 Peter 1.15 and 16. He says, But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. Peter's quoting Leviticus 19.2 where it says you must be holy because I am holy. Throughout the Bible you will see that God calls us to live holy lives. And I believe in our culture today, in our society today, we have allowed ourselves to get further and further and further away from the holiness of God. He's calling us to be holy. 
So there's three questions I want to talk about today and, and, and we, that we should ask ourselves. And the first one is this. What is holiness? What is holiness? And holiness is a reference to God's absolute moral perfection. It's a reference to God's absolute moral perfection. God is perfectly holy. God is complete. There is, and we've talked about that, there is no imperfection in God. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 3 says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. In the Bible, this is the only description of God that is repeated three times. You never will read love, 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 grace, grace, grace. You only see it this time in the Bible. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. Repetition in the scripture, either in the Hebrew or in the Greek, is for the purpose of bringing greater emphasis on the God's holiness. Holiness. When Isaiah shares this in his vision, we're going to dig, dig deeper into that. Holy, holy, holy. It's like, it's like saying, because there's really not a word in the Greek or in the, in the Hebrew where you can say holier or holiest. But that's what it's saying. Holy or holier or holiest. There is nothing above the holiness of God. In the scripture, Isaiah has seen a vision of heaven where God is seated at his throne and above God were these angelic beings who are, who are flying around and they're declaring these, these words, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. This repetition is, is declaring there is no comparison to God's holiness because God's holiness is perfect. Think of God's holiness as being completely whole, lacking nothing. There is nothing missing. No good thing is missing from God. Completely whole. Guess what? It's the same desire that God has for each and every one of us. That we are whole beings. Completely whole in Him. Now when it comes to holiness, most people shy away from the subject. Most people prefer to discuss God's love, God's mercy, God's grace, God's faithfulness. Most people want to hear those things. But man, the topic of holiness, Pastor Tom, that's, that's one I don't really want to deal with because it's a little overwhelming for us. Why is holiness overwhelming for us? Because we can't do it. So, you know, you just ruined my whole sermon. No, just easy. The reason it's difficult for us because we know our sinfulness. And when you talk about holiness, all of a sudden it stirs up these things inside of us because it's like, I know what I did yesterday, I know what I did the day before, and now Pastor Tom is reading my mail. How does he know what to preach every Sunday? Why is he doing that? And as I tell you over and over again, it's not me, it's God's Word. God's Word is powerful and it's effective. If we return to Isaiah's vision in chapter 6, we see that Isaiah recognized that he was in the presence of God. And he, and he states these words in verse 5. says, Then I said, It's all over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. Now you got to remember, all of a sudden, Isaiah is in this vision. He's seeing the holy, he's seeing the holy, holy. He's seeing God's throne. He's seeing the, the angelic beings flying over. And all of a sudden, he recognizes his sinfulness. It says, it's all over, I am doomed, for I am a sinful man, I have filthy lips, and I live among people with filthy, and he lives among people with filthy lips. Man, it sounds like us, doesn't it? Man. 
Yes, I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Here's the one place where fear or reverence is an appropriate response. Isaiah recognizes in his vision that he has seen God's perfect presence of holiness. Notice how God's perfection, God's holiness immediately exposes our sinfulness. Immediately when all of a sudden we touch the holiness of God, it exposes the sin in our lives. It'd be like me sitting down with a neurosurgeon and talking about, we would start talking about neuroscience. Like, I would have no ability whatsoever to be able to talk about to someone who, who does surgery on a brain, who understands the brain. I can't even, right now, I can't even bring out the right words because I have no idea. And what would happen if I would sit down and, 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 and had lunch with a neurosurgeon, he starts talking to me about brain surgery, I'd be lost. I'd feel so inferior why? Because I just don't have the intelligence to be able to, to, be able to carry a, an intelligent conversation with him. And you know what? When we step into God's holiness, it's the same kind of situation. All of a sudden, we feel God's holiness. How do I even compare? You don't. Being in God's presence of God's holiness immediately exposes our sinfulness. The Bible says our righteousness is like filthy rags in comparison to the holiness of God when Moses encountered God at the burning bush Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God in Revelation chapter 1 John has a vision and sees the Lord and he states in verse 17 when I saw him I fell at his feet as if I were dead he experienced the holiness of God when Jesus told Peter to cast his nets on the other side of the boat, and Peter cast his nets on the other side of the boat, and all of a sudden there were so many fish in the, in the nets that when he was trying to pull the, 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 the net in, it was about ready to capsize his boat, and he fell to his knees, it says in Scripture, before Jesus, and he says these words, Oh Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful person. When Job, a man who God called blameless and upright, God calls Job blameless and upright. And when he experienced the holiness and the great, greatness of God, Job responded with these words. He says, I had only heard about you before. I heard about you, but I really didn't know you. I only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said, and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. You see, even a person that God called upright, when he experienced the holiness of God, guess what? It exposed his sinfulness. On the road to Damascus, when Saul encountered Jesus, he fell to the ground out of fear, and he said, Who are you, Lord? And Jesus responded, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. There was something that took place in Paul's life when he was on that road to Damascus that changed his life forever. I believe it was the power of God. It was the holiness of God. In fact, it says in Scripture that, Paul couldn't even see for three days. He was blinded. And then it wasn't until Ananias prayed over him that the scales fell off his eyes so that he could see again. But God launched him. Jesus launched him into ministry for his work. But first, he had to grab a hold of Paul. The guy formerly, or guy also known as Saul, who was a persecutor of Christians. You know, the Bible states that one day, Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
every knee will bow. Not some, not most, every knee will bow. Did you know that even the devil will bow before the Lord? He will have reverence for God's holiness and God's power. The reason God's holiness is overwhelming to us is because it's a standard that is unreachable for us because of sin. James's point earlier on. Left to our own means, we have no hope. Therefore, we can only achieve holiness through Jesus. Or we can say we are only whole because of Jesus. Because holiness, and this is what I want you to grab a hold of, holiness is truly God-given. Catch a hold of that thought. So that was the first question. Second question, why should we choose to be holy? Why should we choose to be holy? And this goes back to the scripture found in 1 Peter 1.16. We are to be holy because what? Because say that God is holy. And then Hebrews 12.14 reminds us, without holiness, none of us will see the Lord. That's a scary thought. Without holiness, none of us will ever see the Lord. we got to have holiness. So it's one of the reasons why we should choose to be holy. Holiness in Scripture means separation. It means being set apart from that which is unclean or impure. It's being set apart from sin. You know, in the Old Testament, when you see the, with a temple, there would be a place called the Holy of Holies, and it was separate from the rest of the temple. It was, se- it was separated by this huge, thick curtain, and only the high priest would go in once a year, and even when the high priest would go in, he would have to sacrifice for his own sins, and they would tie a rope under, around his ankles. So if he went in and he, he encountered the holiness of God, and he wasn't right with God, and he would be struck dead, they could drag him back out. What a job. Can you imagine? But holiness brings this idea of separation. It's being set set apart from what is sinful, set apart from what is impure. Holiness is vital to us because sin is the destruction of our soul. We cannot live lives that are contrary to God's commands. God is calling us to holiness. God is calling us towards obedience. God is holy, therefore we must be holy. Jesus said these words in John 14, 15. And it's something that reminds me of another reason why I want to be obedient to God. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you truly love me, you... this love that Jesus is talking about is not like this, oh man, oh, we got it. No, no, if we really love Christ, we're going to desire to keep his commandments it's just like if I really loved my dad which I did man I never wanted to hurt my dad you know little Vinny as he's growing up he's never going to want to hurt his dad if he really loves Brett he's going to want to honor his father and that's how who we are if we really love our heavenly father we want to honor our heavenly father we know God loves us because God sent his son, his one and only son, before, as we were sinners, before we ever, he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. God showed us his love. We can show God our love through our obedience. And one of the things that's so important for you to understand is God's love is not, it's not against you, it's for you. God desires to protect you. So we should strive towards living holy lives as a protection. I want you to catch this. You should strive to live holy lives as a protection from that which will destroy your life. 
things that will kill you. Can you imagine, have you ever read the newspaper and all of a sudden some people are out hiking and eat the bad mushrooms, the poisonous mushrooms, and all of a sudden they're found dead? Boom, just like that. Or the Vietnam vets, when they were in the war, they would walk through the jungles of Vietnam and they had sprayed this Agent Orange over the, over the vegetation to kill the vegetation. What they didn't know is what was killing the vegetation was also killing them. Over a period of time, cancer and everything else because of this Agent Orange, slowly killing them. Think about those, and we just, just happened not too long ago at some resort, some people were found dead in their hotel room because of carbon monoxide. And it's, a, it's an odorless gas that you can't smell, you can't taste, you have no idea, and all of a sudden, well, they, they, there's no response, they knock on the doors and they find out the, the whole room is, pe- people in that room are dead because of the poisoning of carbon monoxide. So we have learned that these items, from from a physical standpoint, we have learned that these items are dangerous to our lives and we do our best to separate ourselves from those things that could cause us harm. Otherwise, exposure to these items, contaminated food, harmful chemicals, poisonous gas, guess what? They will either kill you or over time they will kill you, right? Holiness protects us from the sin that tries to poison our life. Holiness, you see, so many times we think that holiness, and some of you guys have a really bad thought of holiness. We think of holiness as something that God is trying to punish us with. No, God is trying to protect you. We need holiness in our marriage. We need holiness in fathers. We need holiness in mothers. We need holiness in the workplace. Holiness is something that God is putting into our lives, not to harm us, but to protect us. true encounter with God will lead you to a desire. Man, when you touch the presence of God, it leads you to this desire that I want to be separated from sin. I don't want it anymore in my life. And that's because God made us in his image. God made us with the, with the whole idea that of our perfection, just like he is perfected with holiness in mind. We are to reflect his holiness in our life, which brings us to the last point. Final question. How can we achieve holiness? And I've been alluding to this answer throughout this message, but we cannot attain holiness through our own actions. It's impossible. You just can't do it. Our holiness must first be purchased by someone who is perfectly holy. His name is Jesus, God's only son. Jesus paid the price for your sins and for my sins so that we could be given a clean slate, so that we could start over once again, so that we don't carry this baggage of sin with us everywhere we go, where all of a sudden we just carry all this extra weight of sin. God wants to deliver us from the sin, so he sent his son Jesus. All we have to do is step in by faith in Jesus Christ, and guess what? That sin that we were carrying is no more. We've been set free. There's freedom in Jesus. It's a new start. It's meaning this, as we put our faith in Jesus, his righteousness covers over our sins. We are made perfectly whole, holy, because of his sacrifice and his presence in our life. According to Luke chapter 11, verse 13, we can ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? We can ask for God's presence to to live in our lives. 
When you invite the Holy Spirit into your life, and just think about the words I just said, the Holy Spirit. Not just any spirit. The Holy Spirit. God's Spirit. You're inviting the holiness of God into your life. You're inviting the Spirit of God into your life. But Pastor Tom, how can the Holy Spirit dwell in an unclean vessel like mine? Let's go back and let's remember these these words. Because if you've asked for God's forgiveness and invited Jesus into your life, I need you to grab a hold of this truth. You are no longer unclean. Say it with me. I am no longer unclean. I am no longer unclean. Don't cheapen the grace of God. 1 John 1, 9 states these words, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We cannot take lightly the power of God's miraculous work on the cross. When He shed His blood on that cross, when He, when he died on that cross for your sins and for my sins, it was once and for all, for past, present, and future. He died for your sins. Not your sin, your sins. And when we put our faith in Jesus Christ and we say, Lord, today I choose to follow you, and you follow after Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. They've been put under the blood of Jesus Christ. The, spot, the, 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 the perfect Lamb of God was sacrificed once and for all. No more sacrifices needed because Jesus died on the cross for your sins and for my sins. And guess what? Our sins have been paid for. We, we, we cheapen the grace of God when we continue to live. And I'm not saying that we live a greasy, 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 where like we can just go out and sin. I'm not saying that, so don't put those words in my mouth. All I'm saying is the devil wants you to live under condemnation. Jesus wants you to live under freedom, to start following him. All that we do when we focus on our sin is we go deeper and deeper and deeper into our sin. When we start to focus on Jesus, we go deeper and deeper and deeper into holiness. Jesus has set us free from the penalty of sin and has cleansed us by, the, by his power, by his shed blood. And as Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we are now the righteousness of Christ. Think about that. You are the righteousness of Christ. God's Holy Spirit dwells in your life. The Apostle Paul reminds us of this amazing truth found in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 where he says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Who lives in you and was given to you, God-given, was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. What was that high price? His son Jesus. So you must honor God with your body. When the Holy Spirit, when you've asked the Holy Spirit to come into your life, it should cause a separation in your life. Because part of the Holy Spirit's work in us is to draw us away from sin and draw us closer to God. In the Old Testament, God's Spirit would dwell in a structure or in, the, or in a temple. But after Jesus' death and resurrection, the Holy Spirit now dwells in us. And he dwells in our hearts when we invite him in. There is no more structure or temple. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. 
God's spirit resides within us. God's holiness has taken residence in the, up in the human heart. We now participate in the holiness of God through God's Holy Spirit. It's, that, it's an amazing thought to grab a hold of. It's why we should strive to honor God in what we do and not to offend or to grieve the Holy Spirit in our life. It's a calling towards holy living. I'm saying all this because I want to take back some ground that maybe we've given away. It's, it's a call to holy living. When you have God's spirit, God's holiness in you, why would you drag God's holiness through the mud? Listen to Peter's words, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 through 16. He says, so you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own, own desires. You didn't know any better then. Before you got saved, you might not have known any better, but now you do know better. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scripture says you must be holy because I am holy. This is one of the most quietest audiences since I've been speaking, since I've been speaking on holiness. It's a reminder that we cannot take God's holiness for granted. God's holiness should produce a heart that is grateful, a heart that is humble before him, recognizing the magnificent work that God is doing in and through my life. God's holiness should produce within us a desire to put God above all things. Above everything in our life, God should be the number one. His holiness should produce a heart that is not only obedient, but it is a heart, and I want you to catch a hold of this, it should be a heart that is quickly repentant when we go into wrong. When all of a sudden we know it should offend us. If the Holy Spirit is living in us and we do wrong, we should immediately feel this offense and we should go to God and repent of what is wrong. I know that our sins are forgiven. I get that. But there's something powerful when we, when we turn to God and repent, Lord God, forgive me of the wrong. Listen to Paul's words in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. He says, so all of us who have lost or who have had that veil removed can see can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. So there, there's a veil of kind of darkness before us. But when the Lord removed that veil, when we choose to follow Jesus, that veil is removed, and the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. What makes us more and more like Christ is the work of the Holy Spirit in us. It's the work of God's Spirit in us. When we come to Jesus, the veil of darkness has been removed from our eyes. And the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, begins to do a work within us. The Holy Spirit is the one who will give you a desire to change your life. Don't ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit. Don't put it off. Don't ignore it. When you hear that voice, oh, that can't be. If, it, if you don't think it's of you, well, it's of God, okay? I'm just telling you right now. When all of a sudden there's something that God just starts to speak over you, will you put that down? You don't need to be looking at that anymore. The Holy Spirit is trying to get you to live a holy life. He has paid a price. Jesus paid a price for your sins. Don't keep on. You can't just keep on asking for the sacrifice to be given. It's been given. You've been paid for. Now live holy. And God says, I'm going to send to you. 
If you ask, I'm going to send to you a comforter, someone who will teach you and guide you and lead you and remind you of everything that I've taught to you in the past. He's telling his disciples this. Guess what? When we read God's word, the Holy Spirit starts to remind us of God's word. And all of a sudden, the Bible starts to come alive in our spirit. And things start to change. And all of a sudden, when I'm going to yell at my child, you know what? It's okay. Let's talk about this. When I'm so mad at the co-worker and all of a sudden I'm going to lose it. You know what? Can we think about this and come back tomorrow? I want to talk to you more about it. When you're angry at your wife because of your own selfishness, the power of God's Spirit will all of a sudden remind you, hey, hey, you are holy. You are holy. You are holy. See, the Holy Spirit is the one who will give you the desire to change your life. The Holy of God will create a desire to change as a husband, as a father, as a co-worker, as a coach. I had the worst coach in the world when I was growing up in Little League. He would say, he would make, he would be so demeaning, he would say the F words, every other word. I didn't know you could say the F word that many times in one sentence, but he could figure out how to do it. It was amazing how he, he was really talented in that arena. But I look about, I mean, I was, I grew up in a great family. My dad was a follower of Christ. He was a pastor. And so I had a good foundation. But those kids that didn't have a good foundation, I think about that coach and how he just just beat on us kids like we we're going to go win the World Series or something. And, and I'm thinking, man, I wish I had had a coach that had holiness. Can you be that coach with holiness? See, it's the Holy Spirit that guides us into all truth. It's the Holy Spirit that leads us into change. And I hope today I have been effective in sharing this one truth today. That God's holiness is not, has nothing to do really from anything you do. It has everything to do about who God is. It's God-given. We just have to receive it and then allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. It's, it's not something we deserve. It's the grace of God upon our lives. And with that understanding, don't allow the enemy to steal the holiness within you. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit by choosing to live in sin. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, he says, and I want you to take these words into, into your heart. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own. Wow. That's my child. That's my child. That's my child. Guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Holiness should be a constant environment in our life. Holiness in our marriage holiness in our family holiness in every area of our life every part of our lives should be set apart for his purpose not for our selfish purpose today I want to challenge you to take back ground that maybe you have given away with every head bowed eyes closed for just a moment I'm old school I'm going to continue to be old school because I'm old <laughs> but for some of you here today and I don't want this to be under guilt I want this to be under a faith response like Pastor Tom, thank you for a reminder that I need to live holy lives. And maybe for some of you today, the words that you've used have not been the kindest. Maybe there's too sarcastic and they're hurtful. Or maybe you have an anger issue or a temper issue and it just you just lose it at times. And you haven't surrendered that to Jesus. Or maybe you've allowed ungodly habits to enter your life and you know that they're not of God and you've allowed those in. Or maybe it could be things that 
you're viewing with your eyes and you've opened up your eye gate to something and now you can't close it off and, and you're, you know what you, you got to give it to Jesus whatever, whatever area that is ungodly maybe, maybe, maybe it's just you know maybe it's drugs or alcohol or things that you just are dependent upon anything that you are dependent upon instead of being dependent upon God is not of God And so today, I just challenge each and every one of us to, to take back the ground that God has given you, that maybe that you have allowed to be stolen or that you've given up. And I want you to take back that ground. And the way we take back that ground is we surrender it back to Jesus. And if you're sitting here today and you say, Pastor Tom, there's ground that I've surrendered and I've been struggling and I feel hopeless, I've lost my joy. And I need, to, I need to get back those areas in my life that I know God wants me to live pure and holy. And I, I just, I've been trying to do it. I've been trying to, and it just doesn't work. It's because you're doing it under your own strength instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to work through you. And I, today, I want to just publicly just say, Lord, I want to I take back any ground that's been given to you or been given to the enemy. I, wanna, I want to that ground to be restored as holy. Every part of my life, every, every ounce of my life, I want it to be restored. We know it is holy because God has made it holy. But what areas have you all of a sudden allowed the enemy to take? And like I've said, maybe it's anger, maybe it's words, maybe it's whatever it is. But if, 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 I, if you know there's something in your life, that you get, man, Pastor Tom, I want to surrender it back to Jesus. I want you just to raise your hand real high. Every high, eye closed, head bowed. I see hands, I see hands, I see hands, I see hands, I see hands. I see two hands. <laughs> Come on, I'll raise both hands. I want you to believe in faith with me right now. And if you're truly raising your hand as a, a sign of surrender, then I, I, I want you to agree with me as I pray right now. Or just actually pray after me this prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your righteousness. Lord, I take back ground that I have given away. I repent of those things that I've done that are wrong. I ask, Lord God, once again that you would cleanse me with your righteousness. Set me free from the power of sin. Give me the power to do what is right. I pray it in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. If you said that prayer today, I'm believing that God's going to do a new work and a fresh work in you. God is calling all of us back to holiness. One of the things that I know as I grew up in the church, and I've seen several revivals through, through the church in my life, and one of the things that is always the one key factor is when the people of God put their eyes back on Jesus. When they all of a sudden start focusing on holiness once again, there's something when all of a sudden we as a people become repentant. And that's why when we were singing earlier, Awaken the City, all of a sudden I started thinking, Awaken our souls, God. 
Awaken us to your holiness. Awaken us to your grace. Awaken us to your love. Awaken us, Lord God, in every area of our life. The things that, God, you have given to us that you desire for us. God, awaken us once again to receive those things back again. Amen. Um, today is communion, and I know I'm taking a little long, but I'm not too long. And if you're joining us online, thank you for being here. And we ask that you maybe grab something from your refrigerator, some juice, some, some bread. We want everybody to be able to take communion today. We got new communion cups. If you didn't know, the bread's on the bottom. Be careful. Don't open the top, otherwise you won't be able to get to the bread. Uh, the bread's on the bottom. And the, the, big, the big one, white one, is the cup. And it's just juice inside. But it represents the blood of Jesus and it represents the broken body of Jesus. And for communion today, I want to return to the book of Isaiah chapter 6. I read a part of this scripture earlier in my message and I want to continue down this road. Remember this is the scripture where I said where all of a sudden Isaiah saw God's throne and the angels, the angelic beings were f- flying around. They were singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. Holy, 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 holy. And when Isaiah realized that he was standing in the very presence of God and the holiness of God, he stated, I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And I didn't read verses 6 and 7 to you, but I want to read them to you today as we take communion. It says in Isaiah 6, it says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, flew to Isaiah with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt has been taken away and your sin has been atoned for. That's the gospel message right there. Is that Jesus came from heaven to earth, died on a cross, and he atoned for our sins, for each and every one of us. As we take the elms today, that's what I want us to remember. Is that it was the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That we have his righteousness. It was his broken body. You know, one of the things that I didn't finish off the rest of that, and I don't want the scripture with me, but in that deal, the whole idea, that whole thing of Isaiah, God was calling Isaiah to go to the people. And when Isaiah recognized that he was in the midst of holiness, he felt so unclean. And then, and then, and then Isaiah, it says, whom shall I send and, and, and who, or whom shall, shall I send and who will go for us? Then it was Isaiah says, here I am, send me. And the reason I share that passage of Scripture, that, that last thought, is so many times we feel unworthy to do anything. And God had to set Isaiah free. He said, ha, ah, and he touches the lips with that, that coal. He said, now your sins have been atoned. And when, all of a sudden, when the holiness of God came upon Isaiah, he says, when, 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 who shall I send? Isaiah goes, send me, Lord. I'm ready, Lord. Send me. I'm ready. Why? Because he's no longer doing it in his own in his own strength. He is now doing it in God's strength, in God's holiness. Will you take the bread with me today? The broken body of Jesus Christ. I don't know. I feel like for those who might need healing today, I want you just to stand all over this place. Maybe you need healing in your mind. Maybe you need physical healing. Maybe you're struggling with depression or discouragement, whatever it might be. If you want to stand today, I want to take this as we take this communion. Because it says that by his 
broken body, by his stripes, we are made whole. And I believe that was first of all, foremost, spiritually, salvation. But I believe secondly, that God believes, some of you are finally starting to stand, Ben, take, it takes a while, but we're getting there. Are we a church that still believes in the miraculous power of God that can heal lives? Okay. That's good. I'm glad. Because maybe you need a healing in your body. Maybe you need a healing in your mind. Maybe you need a healing in your heart. Maybe you need a healing in your relationship. Jesus is our healer. Lord, we take this piece of bread that represents the body of Christ broken, beaten, did it willfully for each and every one of us and God we recognize the sacrifice your word says Lord God by your stripes we are healed Lord we stand on your word today and we ask Lord God for healing over each person's life those who maybe are struggling with cancer those Lord God who maybe are struggling with depression or discouragement those who maybe Lord God have knee issues or hip issues or whatever I don't know but you you know Lord for each person I pray for healing upon their lives we ask it in Jesus name will you take with Will everyone stand? And as we take the cup, the cup represents the blood of Jesus Christ. I love this saying, I say it often. It is upon a life that I could not live and a death that I could not die that my salvation is secure. This cup represents that life. This cup represents the death I could not do. It is Jesus Christ. And it's the shed blood of Jesus Christ that has set me free from my sins. And Lord, we are so grateful to be set free. God, help us to walk in a manner that is worthy before you. Help us to walk in a manner that we are no longer walking in guilt and condemnation. But Lord, that we are walking as children of the Almighty God. That Lord God, that we recognize your love in us, your holiness, your goodness. And Lord God, I pray, Lord God, that we, Lord God, would model that, that Lord God, that our lives, Lord God, would be, uh, would glorify you, Lord, in all that we do. Thank you for your shed blood, Lord God. We do this in remembrance of you. Will you partake? Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.